In this episode, we have Andrew Hackard with Steve Jackson Games, and we do a game review of a new game coming out called Goatfish, and we talk to Jeff Newell with HGN Games, and he talks about Medieval. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons. Stupid. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. That, that's, 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 our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey, geeks! It is episode 13? Is that lucky or unlucky? Holy cow, we've been doing a lot of these. Yeah. Actually, technically, it is episode 45 for us because we did the previous con. Yeah, and we don't assign numbers to the special ones. Yes. Well, anyway, I'm your host, (laughs) Blue Samurai, and with me is... Joe Costa, the Costasaurus. Oh, wait. No, it's it's, it's Paul. (laughs) Sorry, Joe. Joe is sick, unfortunately. He's got the crud. But Paul's with us, or Durango, or I guess we decided Durango is not the name you're going to go uh, I'm with. I'm not sure if I'm going with Durango. Okay. I like, though. I like yeah. Durango. I'm going to talk like Batman the whole Durango time. Durango sounds Durango. cooler than Paul. It anyway. does. So, Paul or Durango, what's on the show today? <laughs> what we got going on is we got Andrew Hackard. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say Andrew Hackard? Andrew Hackard. The guy of Steve Jackson Games? Steve Jackson Games. I think he works on this little thing called Munchkin. He does, and? Where, where, I don't remember seeing him. Where, did you meet him at him? I actually met him at Gen Con. Oh, really? Paul, you went to Gen you know Con? I did go I, to Gen no Con. no idea you it went to true. Gen Con. It's true. In fact, uh, we should podcast about we that. We should maybe we talk about it. We should talk about, about Steve's experience at Gen Con. That's right. Best time ever. And the fact that he actually talked to Geeks of Cascadia is absolutely amazing. Now, granted, I had to duct tape him and threaten his life to, to podcast, but he did it. He did. And actually, he's a really nice guy, and you're, we're going to get to listen to that. I can't wait to hear it. What else do we got, Paul? Well, we have Kelly and Doug from Games Plus. Guys are wonderful. And they are reviewing Goldfish Game Review. If you listened to last week's episode, you got to hear us talk to Chad Gray That's of right. Goldfish, which is a really fun game. And I really want to know what um, Kelly and Doug think. Uh, and they've been doing, again, a great job in Geek's Tabletop Game Review, and they just keep on hitting home runs with this. And people have been asking if they could review their game. In fact, we've had a couple requests. And again, listeners out there, if you have a game, maybe you're a developer, or you just like a particular game, don't forget to email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com to make a request for Doug and Kelly to review your game. But that's not all. Nope, there's one more. We uh, At Dragonflight, we ran into Jeff Newell, totally cool guy. Yes. Him and his friends uh, are, are, are HGN Games, and they are um, updating the game Medieval. What old is new? Exactly. They just love the game, and they thought, hey, let's bring this thing back. Those guys are amazing. I'm looking forward to that. I don't have they kickstarted that game. I can't remember. Uh, they're, they're supposed to be kickstarting in, in early October. Oh, okay. And I'm, I don't know exactly when yet. Now we know um, Goatfish 
is going to be kickstarted soon. Maybe when this podcast goes up, yes. it's being kickstarted right now. Well, maybe both of those games. And Andrew Hackard, that we interviewed, is going to talk about Munchkin, but he's going to talk about the new uh, expansion that came out, which is Shakespeare Munchkin. Paul, you just got that game. I did. I, I, I haven't even had a chance to open the box. I, I got home, cracked it open. changed my clothes, ran down here. And you haven't even played Munchkin, I know. I just, unlike I, I have played. I, I, I played I, almost all the versions of Munchkin. Wow, so you must love it. I just love Shakespeare. Okay, you're diving right into this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's into right. the deep pool of yes. Munchkin. Yes, exactly. Wow. Okay, well, that means that once you buy once you buy this and like, you're gonna have to go back and buy the other ones. Yeah, there's. I, I was amazed at how many different kinds of this game there are. As some people know, if you've been listening, I'm yes. new to board games and game conventions, and but I've seen so many versions of this game. It's like, well, I love Shakespeare. People love this game. I'm just gonna kickstart this. I love it. Love your attitude. Yeah. And actually, you've been saying that I'm new to this for about three years now, two or three years now. <laughs> I'm slowly dipping my toe in. That's right. You're, getting, you're becoming an expert. I'm learning some things. So, Paul, what do you think? We should um, start with Andrew, or? I think we should start with Andrew. Okay, let's do that, since uh, he is with uh, Steve Jackson Games, and he actually talked to us. Yes. All right. So with that, let's hear what Andrew has to say. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show. Hey, Geeks. This is uh, Blue Samurai here, and of course, I'm with Greg. Hey, I'm still here. And of course, we're and we are still at Gen Con. And the great thing is. We get to interview the greats of tabletop gaming, minor deities or deities. So we were with Andrew Hackard. I'm more of a demon prince, but okay. You know what? Demon prince is close enough. Is completely <laughs> okay. That's right. Sure. Enough. That's right. And Andrew, why don't you tell the listeners what you do with uh, Steve Jackson Games? Uh, I am the Munchkin Czar at Steve Jackson Games. Uh, everything that says Munchkin on it crosses my desk at some point. Um, I've been doing that job since early 2009. I've been working for the company since April 2000. Wow. And uh, Greg and I love you because our kids love Munchkin. Yes. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old are your kids? I have a 19-year-old that doesn't do much mm-hmm. right now except work, which is good. That is and, good. And going to community college. That is good. And then I've got um, my middle child, which is a, a child of special needs, who, who's played Munchkin a couple times. Okay. And he's 16 year old, 16 years old, and i got a 13-year-old. He's going to be about 14 years. Actually, he's a 14-year-old real soon. Actually, yeah. by the time this <laughs> podcast comes up. So, and yours oh, is my, uh, my, my, I've got 25, 22, and yeah. 19, and all three, those are my girls, and my mm-hmm. son's 80. He's, he's, he's actually played Munchkin. Mm-hmm. My girls have been playing it a long time, long enough that my oldest is building up her own collection of the stuff. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, and hitting me up for, for cards and things. <laughs> well, Munchkin came out 16 years ago this Gen Con. Oh, wow. And okay. I've actually now been hearing from people who said, my parents taught me to play, so now I'm teaching my kids to play. Oh. So, yeah, we, we it's a generational game. I'd almost call it the um, I don't want I don't want to use the term gateway drug, but it's a gateway game actually to other games. It seems like I've been hearing that a lot. As people said, I got into gaming because mm-hmm. we started playing Munchkin together, and it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. We checked out everything else, and I said, "You started with Munchkin, and you're still speaking to each other." A little bit backstabbing. Yeah, it's a little. But some people apparently play Munchkin nice. I, 
And you've been... And you, you understand these people? No, not really. <laughs> and you've been doing this for about 17 years, you said. Yeah. And so how do you keep Munchkin fresh? You, I mean, it seems like you got to come up with a new theme all the time and keep it energized because part, part of the business, right, is selling this stuff sure. and trying to keep people hooked. Having, having the new product on right. the shelves. Well, my mother always said that if I kept telling stupid jokes, I was never going to find a job mm -hmm. where they'd be interested. Um, she has admitted she was wrong. Um, but it is... Um, it, it's been... It's Sometimes it's a challenge, but mm -hmm. it turns out as long as, you know, Steve and I brainstorm a lot, I brainstorm with other people at the company. Right. And... We keep finding new new themes and new jokes to tell, um, and you know, every so often we have the "What are we doing next for Munchkin meeting?" and <laughs> right. So far, we haven't run out of ideas. And I have noticed what old is new, and and Shakespeare. You're bringing out Shakespeare. We did. We had a very <laughs> successful Kickstarter earlier this year. Okay. Um, I might have backed that one. Fifty nine hundred backers, almost three hundred thousand right. dollars just shy of that stretch goal as people keep reminding us mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be shipping to backers September it'll be in stores in October that's wonderful what do you think is the magic of Munchkin by the way is it, it the, is, you can play with all the other Munchkin sets or well I mean it's it's very accessible it's a it is for all that people say it, there's all these cards together it's a very light game it does you, you can explain it in about a minute and people get it, and they can sit down and start playing. Mm -hmm. And the original Munchkin game was very much a and d parody. It had lots of in-jokes from that crowd. Yep. But you sit down to something like Munchkin Zombies, everybody knows zombies. So Munchkin Booty, you have pirates. Munchkin right. Shakespeare, everybody has endured Shakespeare. And so, I think you did superheroes, too. And we've done superheroes. Yeah. We've, uh -huh. we've either done it or we've thought about it. <laughs> I'm assuming there's some things you've thought of that you said, no, 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 we're not going to go there. Um, a good we, every now and then we get requests for, you know, Munchkin After Dark. We're like, no, <laughs> no, this is a kid's game. Yes, ours. it is definitely a kid's game. <laughs> wow, okay, that's um, cool. We are, the first 17 and up Munchkin set is coming out this year. That's Munchkin Rick and Morty from USAopoly. Oh, wow, because, I love Rick and Morty. Because you cannot make Rick and Morty safe for 10 year olds. Yes. No, I, yeah. Right. Uh, Can you, uh, got oh, we got the big announcement from the voice of Gen Con. Gen Con, Gen Con has a job, apparently. Yes. So, is there any, what do you see as the next one, by the way? I mean, the one after Shakespeare. And, um, so, well, the next one I'm, I'm allowed to talk about, um, we did a set called Moops Monster Mashup. Okay. Which was Moops a little wizard who likes jamming things together to make new things. So the boomerang tang is one of the monsters in there. Mm -hmm. um, there is a weapon, the beaver cleaver. It's okay. a giant, giant okay. axe-shaped beaver. Mm -hmm. um, and that one was very well received, so we decided to go back to that well. Mm -hmm. January will be Munchkin Magical Mess. Moop is back. He's oh, made boy. a mess of things. Mm -hmm. um, there are things like the banana conda. Okay. Uh, and my personal favorite, the most disturbing Munchkin card I've ever written, is the Beluga Gazelle, which is a beluga whale on spindly deer legs. Nice. <laughs> it's it is the picture is adorable and really disturbing. I, oh man! I, I think the art is what I love the most. A lot of sure. people love that. It is. Um, John Kavalik has been a great partner with us on many of the Munchkin games. Mm -hmm. uh, we started branching out a little bit just because. 
John's time is very, very you know, restricted because he has so many projects in the fire. We get we he gives us as much as he is able mm-hmm. to, and we've started branching out to work with some other people as well. And he's done it the whole time, um, pretty he much. Was, he was on the very first Munchkin set. Oh, wow. So, so, so I got a question. So, what what originated adding all the extras, your bookmarks, you know, your the ponds, all these other things that have that the bookmarks are actually a good story. Um, we had no intention of uh, thought of doing bookmarks to go with our games, and the printer we were using for our Gurk's third edition books said, you know, the press sheet for the covers is larger than the covers themselves. We're throwing all this paper away. We can print bookmarks on it if you want and just send them to you free because it's wasted space otherwise. So it came out that a printer was giving us a little incentive to keep working with them, and we said, well, if we're doing Munchkin bookmarks, we should give them a rule because that's the Munchkin thing to do. That's how that started. So basically, buying Steve Jackson games, any type of games, it's not only is it fun, but it's environmentally safe. There so you go. <laughs> I would love to say that. I don't think that's quite a statement I'm comfortable making. But um, it was it was the kind of thing we said, we said, you know what, we'll see how this does. And we sent them out, and Munchkin players snapped them up and said, when can we have the next one? And we said, well, the next card for printing in four months. And like, no, sooner, now. So... We started investigating actual bookmark and postcard printers, and it's a juggernaut that's never stopped. Um, the promo cards, I mean, that's, you give away a promo card to sell a game, and that happens all the time. Right. Um, some of all the, the other things, like the dice and the pawns and the level counters and so on, they're just things that we've tried, and some have succeeded and some haven't. What was the one with the empty, the one that everyone thought was just an empty package? I'm trying to remember. It was. Oh, like the a, imaginary friend. Or, uh, who came up with that one? That was Phil Reed, our CEO. <laughs> and he wanted to sell it. And I said, okay, the fact that you, I know you could sell it scares me, but we're selling air. Let's give this one away as a promo, and then we can do a version that has some extra stuff in it right. that we could sell. The, the thing with the um, Invisible Friend, Imaginary Friend, was it was an empty blister on a card. And, mm-hmm. and to get the bonus, you had to peel it off the blister. So, once you used it, then it was used and you couldn't use it anymore. I said, we're not charging people for a one-time bonus that is error. <laughs> so, what we did is we did a version that was your imaginary friend uh-huh. of these, that was two of them, and there were cards. And you got okay. a bonus as long mm-hmm. as you kept them trapped. You got a really good bonus when you freed them, and after that, you had the cards. That's a pretty good that, That's an interesting... That. I've never heard that story before. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. Now, are you still going to do the... Um, Seasonal um, specials. I think he did a Christmas one. I know it was Halloween. a couple of years ago at Halloween. Or we've done several Easter. several Christmas products. We've done Halloween. We've done Easter. Uh, we keep talking about Arbor Day, but it's just not coming together. Uh, Some of the off yeah. holidays, I see. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Mother's Day. Yeah. Turns out it's hard to make fun of trees. I don't. I, I never knew. But uh, we we keep talking about things that we can do. Um, We've done some some other products like playmats and storage boxes themed on various holidays. Um, we did a plush toy for Halloween and a plush toy for the 4th of July, uh, both of which I think are still available on our website. Excellent. There's a plug. Make sure you get those. Yep. Warehouse23.com. Um, the, duck, so, the Duck of Doom. I remember the Duck of Doom is one of your other plushes. We did. Um, and My daughter has one of those, yes. So... You know, it's kind of the thing, if we can find a respectful way to have fun mm-hmm. with a holiday, or sometimes slightly less respectful, mm-hmm. we'll do it. Um, 
are there plans in that regard? I can neither confirm or deny that there might be more on the schedule. Well, well, well how, about, how about something that, that, that may be sitting on your case out the other other side of the uh, where we're interviewing here, and that would be your collectible card game. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I would love to tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> what, uh, what he's not saying is that we are staring at a wall that is entirely <laughs> art and cards from the game. Uh, we're sitting in the meeting room inside of our booth, and so we've got a lot of displays up. Um, We've been working on the Munchkin Collectible card game for longer than we've admitted to it, so about two or three years. Um, Eric Lang and Kevin Wilson designed a game for us. Uh, they did a really good job, and then we munchkin it up. And uh, it's been a long time coming, but we have announced that the core release will be in February 2018 with two expansion sets next year, one in May and one in August. Uh, the first expansion is Desolation of Blarg. Blarg is a very um, <laughs> oh. uh, unsettled dragon who has stomach issues. Oh, no. Um, no. And uh, in the display case at Gen Con that none of you can see because it's an audio podcast, mm-hmm. we actually have the we'll mock-up pictures. Uh, yeah, of the we'll art. Pictures. Uh, the second one in August is Fashion Furious. I will not even attempt to describe the art on that cover. You just have mm-hmm. to see it. Fast and Furious? No, no, Fashion a Furious. Fashion Furious, okay. Heard Fast and Furious and was thinking about the large <laughs> stomach issues and it wasn't coming to a good no, picture. No, it was not good. So, what about the other line, uh, other game lines of Steve Jacks? Is there anything you can give us? Anything? Well, uh, we haven't. We announced. We and our partner Arot Digital announced that Ogre is coming to Steam on the PC. That's going to be out October. Wow. 5th. Okay. So. Uh, and by the way, my good friend got the big box Ogre. Right? Yes, of yes, course. I did. I, okay. I did. Of course, you're I did. You only got one. <laughs> well, you know, I got I got my T-shirts that I make. You know, make Steve Jackson work in Car Wars. You know, sure. But, you know, um, and all the uh, not enough closet space. Goods. That was that was our very first Kickstarter, and it taught us the good and the evil of the Kickstarter can do. Um, mm-hmm. Turns out when you're when you have not prepared for a Kickstarter to blow up the way that one did, you spend the rest of the time racing at trying to, to keep ahead of it. Um. And Ogre, we have now produced the scaled-down Ogre 6th Edition, which is still way bigger than it has any right to be. Um, and we're supporting that. We've got Ogre Reinforcements that's out now, and scenario books on our website, and miniatures that we've been kickstarting that are coming out late this year and, and all through next year. It's a very nice site. I've seen some pictures of those. Those are, those are pretty cool looking. We actually have some samples. Yeah, of the ones that Ben painted out there. Yeah. Ben Williams? Yeah. Ben Williams. Uh, beautiful. Brilliant, brilliant miniatures artist. Won number of awards at Gen Con for his miniatures painting. So anything on the Car Wars front? Car Wars has, <laughs> Car Wars has kind of been on the back burner because we've been dealing with all of this mm-hmm. Ogre stuff. We've been working hard sure. on the CCG. Um, but... The CCG is steaming along pretty well. I'm pretty sure Car Wars is going to be back on the front burner next year. Well, I can tell you. Greg here does <laughs> a Car Wars tournament. I think you guys tweeted it, too, retweeted it. But, yeah, we there was a lot of uh, folks that were really interested in that. So we'll be anxiously waiting for that. Well, the, the playtests that I've seen mm-hmm. in the new Car Wars... Um, People who really liked the old game with all the little chips and pieces and fiddly stuff maybe a little disappointed, but people who want a game that plays fast and fun and it's all about driving and shooting and blowing things up, it's going to be awesome. Um, they have some really innovative new mechanics to make this game go a lot a lot faster. Car design takes about five minutes tops. Oh, wow. 
there you go. usually it takes a while to well back in the old days you sure. know but that was kind of the fun too you know it was it was kind of the fun <laughs> but by the same token it's like the people who just sit around and make D&D characters all the time. Right, Get right, Get and right. play the game. Right, exactly, exactly. So, and there is, I mean, this definitely has the feel of Car Wars. You are driving mm -hmm. around shooting and lasers and guns at each other and dropping mines. And um, the last playtest I heard, they had a an hour-long argument about mm -hmm. flame rules. So... A flame war for over right. flames. Exactly. Um, so Very cool. It is... There's a lot of work that's been on it, and I'm pretty sure once it starts going, it's going to hit the ground running or driving, and cool. it'll it'll move quickly. I would expect to see a lot of progress on that next year. You know, Steve Jackson Games has lasted for a long time. 37 years. 37 even, years. Even through a Secret Service attack. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, what is, what what's that special thing that keeps it going? I mean, I, I remember Luck. playing Illuminati and Car Wars and... And why other companies come and go, or they're bought and sold. I'm thinking, you know, TSR was a big one, and it got sold sure. and, and bought. So, what, what is it? Luck. Luck. It, luck's a, luck is a big Roll part of it, I'll huh? be honest. I mm -hmm. mean, we produce good games. If it's not a good game, you we do. don't want to publish it. Um, you must have an incredible R&D, or there's a way that you're doing your R&D that keeps the edge. I mean, the, we've know, had some it. games that weren't as great as the others, but mm -hmm. we have been... I mean, we had Car Wars and Illuminati, and then mm -hmm. we had Enroll, or Illuminati New World Order, the collectible game in the 90s. That's right. GURPS from mm -hmm. the 80s to now. Um, Munchkin, now, Munchkin now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had a succession of hit games that turn into evergreens that do very well for us. And a lot of companies have had equally good games, or even better ones, don't tell Steve I said that, that didn't <laughs> succeed because they just didn't grab hold of people on the market or... They overextended and tried to do too much. Uh, we've been actually very conservative in what we've been doing. So you're saying some good, there's also some good business management that for the company that's been going in there so, over the years, too. Well, I mean, we've been around for 37 years. We're doing something right. That's and right. Steve's been at the helm the whole time. And you're almost, so, you've done almost half of it, too, in there, right? So oh are you living the dream? I really you am. See, this you, is, you look like you're really happy and excited to be here. This is by far the best job I've ever had. And I can say that I started as a high school teacher, so... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, we'll go into that discussion. That, that might be... You get the wrong commentator on that. <laughs> so did you... Was that your plan to... I mean, obviously, you probably... Your original plan was, I'm going to be a school teacher. But at some point, you went, you know what? I'm... I'm going to do something else. How did that happen? I convinced happen? myself in college my plan was that I wanted to be a school teacher. I think it was more, I just didn't know what else to do with myself. And I, I was a student teacher and I had the certification and said, mm -hmm. all right, well, I'll teach. It took me about four years to realize that wasn't what I wanted to do. So then I went to grad school because that was a really good way to not figure out what I wanted to do for okay. a while. Um, but got my master's, started my doctorate, and was like, no, this isn't it. Um, and it just so happened Steve Jackson Games was hiring and I'd been I'd been doing a little bit of behind the scenes work for Wizards of the Coast and TSR before that on mm -hmm. running a couple of their mailing lists and advising on some things and doing some some of my own fan work I said I wonder if I could make this a career SJ Games was hiring they brought me in to do their marketing and that didn't last long but they switched me over to editorial and I've been working with them ever since so, so what did you do when you originally came over, editorial-wise? I mean, obviously Munchkin wasn't there for the whole span. What song so, did you work on? Uh, I started as an editor in September of 2000. I was working on GURPS books. Um, mm -hmm. did a, Helped with a lot of playtesting on things like Shea Geek. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did a deluxe hacker I worked on a little bit. 
Uh, but it was mostly GURPS back then. Um, we were we were actually that fall we started developing Frag, our our three D shooter on a bird on a on a mm-hmm. flat board. Um, but Munchkin, I honestly did not expect Munchkin to take off the way that it has. I I was like, Munchkin's a fun game. It's cute. You know, we might get a couple of titles out of it. Right. Um, Frag's awesome. It's it's a total total. Um, Messing with people who love these kinds of games because it's all about playing cards that can disconnect and lag and so. Um, and Frag's a great game, and we've had several editions of that, but it didn't take off the way Munchkin did. Um, but I mean, even I was working on GURPS off and on all the way to 2009. <laughs> the voice from above. Oh yeah. So. No, I've been I've been very lucky. When Steve Steve and Phil met with me and said Phil Reed is our CEO, mm-hmm. met with me and said, We want you to take over Munchkin not development at that point, but all the administrative stuff, tracking sales, right. dealing with artists, making sure everything was on schedule. Um, I was like, Okay, so you want me to work on what is effectively our flagship game? Okay, yes, I can do that. Right. Um, Just my arm, huh? <laughs> and the whole you're not doing development lasted about mm-hmm. two weeks. And then Steve said, I'm working on this small expansion that was much in fairy dust. And mm-hmm. it's not quite coming together. Why don't you take it and take a crack at it? Wow. Oh, I, I got a question. What was your master's in anyway? Math. All right. Has it? Have you been using it? Not even slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as you're having and fun, Every no. now and then I find myself doing a probability calculation. But in Munchkin, it's kind mm-hmm. of depends on the people at the table just as much as the cards. So yeah, right. Oh yes, very much. Yes. Uh, the stuff, stab you. <laughs> I mean, the things I'm mo- I'm most proud of working on Munchkin. Uh, 2010, we completely revamped the game. Um, mm-hmm. All the original fantasy sets were what we call duotone, which is basically black and white art, shaded black and white, mm-hmm. because the first game that's what we could afford to print. Four colors was too expensive. We only had two. Um, oh, wow. I've got some of those still. Yeah. And I still have my very first printing of Munchkin back at home. Have problems with the initial printings and whatnot? I, I know there was Claire Florida. Well, that was not a problem with the printer. That was a problem on our end. That oh. We we missed a check. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first printing of Claire Claire's Munchkin 3, uh, one of the decks was printed with the wrong backs. So people started shuffling things together and said, wait, this is a treasure, but it's in the door deck. And started flipping and said, there's a lot of treasures in the door. So we actually had to recall. Mm-hmm. We had started shipping into our distribution cards. We had to pull it back from them, printed about 5,000 new decks to insert into those games. Um, the funny oh, thing wow. was, we announced that and said, it's going to be delayed by a month. We're reprinting these cards because we screwed up the printing on these decks. And people started saying, I want one of the misprinted decks. So we did a Munchkin 3.5 clerical errata, <laughs> sold those the bad decks for five bucks, which paid for the new printing. Um, Steve wrote up a quick rule sheet. We just did it on our website, did it in Ziploc bags, and sent them wow, out. Wow, I'm sure the whole company breathed a sigh of relief when that happened. I think those are the rarest, hard, hardest to get one set out, of, out there, too. Not quite. There's Not quite? part of the anomaly promo card. Oh. oh. There's, so we did a promo mm-hmm. card for an Austin convention. And the plan was, it was somebody else who printed them. They got Steve's permission. And what he was supposed to do was give us the extras after the convention. Well, he was moving right after the convention and lost the cards. Oh, wow. So several hundred of these promo cards that he had specially made for that show 
has vanished. We have no idea where they are. So everybody who was at the show got cards, but nobody else has been able to get them. So they go, they have gone for four figures on eBay because they have an extra bonus if Will Wheaton signs it. And Will was at the convention, so he signed a lot of them. <laughs> Oh yeah. So somewhere, some mover's got this box somewhere. You, oh, I'm you sure it's it, in right? a landfill somewhere. Actually, <laughs> probably. Um, so anyway, 2010, mm -hmm. we actually we colored up the fantasy set. We did a full four color version of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, well, you know what? Let's tweak some rules. Let's do some updates because over nine years of munching, we found a lot of things people were stumbling over over and over. Mm -hmm. We said, let's let's smooth some of those out. Uh, that turned into a year-long project of going through every single Munchkin set that was published at the time, mm -hmm. making all the changes, making sure all the changes got made, getting the art updated where that was necessary. It turned out we did almost all of the art was touched at least a little bit. And mm -hmm. going through and doing that, and I was really happy about that. Um, I'm very proud of the Munchkin board games I've done for younger players. Uh, Munchkin Treasure Hunt, mm -hmm. Munchkin Wonderland. Uh, they still have the Munchkin feel. You're fighting monsters and taking treasure, but it's a much lighter game. Uh, it's designed mm -hmm. for players six and up. And um, secret for the adults who are listening is designed so the parents can help the kids win. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, I've played it with my own nieces and nephews who are that age, and they had a great time with it. Uh, my son did too, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, it's hardcore just... board gamers, eh, probably not so much, but uh, it's not for them. Well, what I really love, my kid um, was taking the Munchkin game and trying to play it with other kids, so sure. that's... I tell you, you know what, you've done a great thing for, for parents, and you're you're growing the nerd community with your, your game. We're, we're trying to do that. It is... I mean, it, it, it's truly, it is an honor to be a part of a game that so many people have embraced and done, have said nice things about. And every now and then, somebody's like, you know, I really hate Munchkin. I was like, you know what? There's thousands of games out there. Mm -hmm. There's 500 new games being released this gen. Yeah. Right. Play something that makes you happy. If you don't like Munchkin, you know what? That's great. You yeah. probably play a game I don't really like. But there's room in the hobby for us. Mm -hmm. There's room for people who hate both of the games that we love. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for talking Absolutely. to us. You know, I seem to recall, uh, so this, by the way, this podcast grew out of the podcast for OrcaCon originally, yeah, true, which yeah. I believe uh, you were one of the original, you were a backer of the original Orca guys. That's right, you were, I yeah. was a backer, I was not Thank able you. to make the convention, but uh, no, uh, Donna Pryor and, mm -hmm. and Barry Wilson are friends of mine, and... Mm -hmm. So I was happy to back the convention. Uh, I wish I could have made it up there. Maybe next year. We're, we're doing it again in January, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would love to get up there. Seattle is one of my favorite places that's not Austin. So. Right. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, we've, got, we've got a couple good conventions up in the area. Mm -hmm. and I know. I, and yeah. Greg's going to do another Car Wars so, tournament. Yeah. Uh, and they got a Munchkin tournament at Dragonflight as well. Yeah. This weekend. Uh, Dragonflight is where we discovered that Clara Calera's was misprinted. Oh. <laughs> wow, really? okay. Yeah. It's these little cons that uh, sure. help. So, I, but I would love to get up there and do some of those little smaller shows. Great. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate Thank it. you very much, Andrew. Thanks for talking to me. Wow, what an amazing interview by Andrew Hacker. Yeah, that was great. And now I know everything I need to know about the game that I haven't played, but kickstarted anyway. Exactly. And yeah. you know what I just noticed? 
I always begin these things was with uh, that was an amazing interview. Well, next time, let's do boy. Well, that was a horrible interview. I should do We're that. Never talking to that person. Again. Well, I'm not going to say it about this one. <laughs> Andrew was awesome. He was awesome. The fact that he took the time to talk to us, talk about the Munchkin line, and gave us a little glimpse in the future, which yeah. is pretty cool. I know Rick and Morty hit game stores today. The Rick oh, and Morty yes. version of Munchkin. And Steve Jackson games, they have been around forever. I mean, other game companies, they come and go, but Steve Jackson games, they just kind of, they're like this rock, you know? Yeah. Kind of like the blue-collar uh, workers of game developers. Yeah, they have a plan, they get it done. That's right. Yeah. I like them. They're good people. They are. So please, Andrew, if you're hearing this as we're buttering <laughs> you up, please share sure. share this with other people. That's at Geeks of Cascadia. Yes. <laughs> On Twitter. That's right. And uh, you can also share our Facebook post if, if and when we ever put this up. Certainly. So, Paul, what else do we have? Well, next up, we have Kelly and Doug. They're going to review Goatfish Game. Oh, that's right. Um, and, of course, the listeners, if you would have heard our interview uh, episode 12 just last week, you would have heard our interview with Chad Gray, up-and-coming game developer. Great guy. Oh, awesome guy. Fun game. And uh, he's doing what we want to do. Which we will never do because we're not that bright. <laughs> but he's doing it. He's developing I, a game. I'm also not that motivated. Well, that's true. It takes a lot of work. <laughs> it it's does. better for us just to interview these people and then maybe they give us free games once sure. in a while. Yeah. So far, that hasn't happened. <laughs> maybe someday soon, though. That would be great. Sometimes they let us buy them. Right. Because this podcast money thing, it's not happening it's for us. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet. We're rolling into the dough. Um, okay, so let's go into that game review right about now. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Hey everyone, this is Doug here at Games Plus in Lake Stevens with another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. And as always, I'm joined with Kelly. How's it going, Doug? Pretty good. Uh, we just got done playing a new game uh, that is going up on Kickstarter soon. It is called Goatfish. It is kind of a little simple <laughs> twist on Go Fish, uh, and it's actually a pretty fun game. Yeah, absolutely. We enjoy playing it, um, and Chad's a nice guy, too. Chad is a nice guy. Chad, the developer, came in. Chad Gray. Uh, this is his first game, I believe. We did not ask him that. He did an well, interview you can earlier. Get all that information from the interview that he did with Steve. I think last week. I think yeah, it was a, a few uh, weeks ago or so. Whatever. It was a previous podcast. Yes. Uh, so Chad uh, developed this game because he was uh, playing card games with his daughter for the longest time. Kind of wanted to develop one along. The same lines of Go Fish, or same lines of these card games. The theory was to spice up Go Fish for the older audience while still being appealing to the younger audience. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job for this. Absolutely. Uh, so the artwork was done by Hank Barslag. Uh, and the, <laughs> so we give you the notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the artwork was actually really nice uh, looking at it. Uh, Definitely really well thought out uh, by Chad and uh, giving the illustrations to Hank. And he even had uh, some of his older sketch uh, sketch cards from his that his daughter designed. Yeah, which they I think really is cute. really great. Yeah, the, the six-year-old drawings. Yeah. Not the, <clears throat> not the drawings were six years old, but the drawings of the six-year-old. Drawings by a six-year-old. Yes. That's what we were getting at. <laughs> 
So typically, it plays the same like Go Fish, uh, except there's two yeah. different phases. There's the herd phase, and then there's the action phase. Yeah. So just like with Go Fish, you would herd your goats instead of fishing. I mean, it's like, hey, Doug, do you have any Irish goats? And then I would say no, goat fish, which sounds a lot like Go Fish, which I love. Is the it. point? It's the point, <laughs> and I always hammered home that hey, this game is called Goat Fish, so say Goat Fish. Yeah. Um, in which case, if Doug had them, he would give them all of his copies to me. Uh, or if he didn't have them, I would get to draw a card. Uh, and if I draw the Irish goats, then I would get to continue asking for goats. Um, if I did not, then I would move to my action phase where I can play an action card. And um, This is where it separates from normal goat fish, is with these action cards. Which is anything from I get to draw more cards to uh, I can steal a card from someone else. I can cause a player to lose a turn. You can take extra turns. You can take extra turns. Uh, but there's also action cards that have uh, in-game reactions or defending. Such as uh, if someone asks me if I have any... Cashmere goats. Cashmere Kelly, goats. do you have any cashmere goats? No! And then, oh, that was loud. Sorry. And then, that is Kelly playing the Screaming Goat card, which pretty much negates the person asking. It just ends your turn. It basically ends that player's turn. Flavor if you scream. Yeah. Like a goat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one's pretty good. There's the Chupacabra that lets you steal a card from someone's hand. Oh, yeah, but there's also, like, um, I could play the Security Llama. Yeah. Which is a real thing, by the way. They do use llamas to protect goats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would defend me from someone playing a chupacabra on me. Um, or the goat rodeo, which causes all of your players to, or all of your opponents to shuffle a herd back into the deck. Mm-hmm. And you play till you get three herds in a small, Four or five player game. In a four or five player game. And, and then, then it's four, four herds, herds and then in two to three. Two to three, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Which is a group of four. A herd is all four goats of one type. Yeah. Uh, so this game is going up on Kickstarter uh, on the 26th of September. Their first tier, I believe, starts out at $15, and that gets you a copy of the game. Mm-hmm. They'll probably have some stretch goals along the way. We played with some pretty some nice mats, and- uh, mats just for holding the herds and things like that. So hopefully they'll be up there. This game's not too bad. Uh, it's for 8 and up, which I think is around the right age because it's reading comprehension. Yeah, it's absolutely reading do. comprehension. Um, although if you have a mixed group of young, adu- of young children, it's very easy just to pull those action cards out uh, and then have the kids go, Do you have this goat? Mm-hmm. Uh, very easy to do. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of a way you could step up difficulty in it, and I like that about some games. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening. Uh, I was say, was there anything you didn't like about it, Doug? There's anything I didn't like about it. Some of the... I don't think there was enough interaction between players with the action cards. I would kind of want more of that. Because there were only a few, yeah. like, a few steel cards and a few um, shuffle this away, things like that. Yeah. I think uh, if there were more of those types of actions in it... It could be definitely more interesting. Of course, adding more of those could uh, lengthen the play of the game, which I think sticking at the 15 to 20 minutes, it it plays about right, because we played 
uh, a three-player game and a couple five-player games in just under an hour, so it's not too bad. And then very definitely one of the, I guess, cons of this game would be if you're playing with young children who have an issue with people stealing their cards um, or get very bad gamer attitudes, potentially, mm-hmm. or they're whatever, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they're not going to take well to people stealing their herds or stealing their goats um, or stopping their turn, then it's, once again, you just take those cards out. Yeah, definitely. And you don't play with those. Um, but it does, it turns it back into go fish, mm-hmm. which is what uh, Chad was trying to avoid in the first place of developing the game. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's definitely a little step away from the regular go fish, which is, which is good. So this game, like I said, Kickstarter, September 26th. Uh, you can check out more information on the game right now at goatfishgame.com. Uh, this has been Doug and Kelly with another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. If you have any uh, games you want us to review or any products or accessories or things like that, give us a shout-out on Facebook page at facebook.com slash geeksofcascadia or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gamesplusWA. Thanks. And once again, thank you so much to Kelly and Doug from Games Plus and Lake Stevens, Washington for doing our game review segment, which I can never remember what it's called. Geeks Tabletop Game Review. Geeks Tabletop Game Review. That's right. And they've got some others that we have already in the bank. I think we uh, they've done Clank, which we have not put on the air Correct. yet. Um, they've done Realms, which is an RPG system okay. they have not put up yet. Okay. But that's coming. Isn't that there is like coming. a wagon train thing? Oh, Western Trails. We haven't Stuff done that like either. That. No, Holy we haven't done that cow. either. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of really great interviews. We really do. We've got too much content. We do. Way too much content. That's a good problem to it have, is. though. Yes. Except for the fact we keep on forgetting what we <laughs> put up and what we have. Yes. Which is why this today we went, oh, we can put Andrew Hacker <laughs> up because Gen Con was a couple weeks ago. More than a couple weeks, but yes. That's true. And did you know I went to Gen Con? I did. We hear that once or twice? Um, maybe three times. Maybe we should mention that at the end of the podcast. We should. All right. We will do that. Okay. So uh, who do we have next up? And now we're, we, we saved Jeff Newell for last, and they're remaking Medieval at HGN Games. Oh, that's right. And we did see that at uh, Dragonflight. Dragonflight. Very pretty. Yeah. love the look of that. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they, 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 they're really um, honing in on what they want to do. I really love interviewing people who really have a passion for these games. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely loved his game. Yeah. And he has a plan, too. He does have a plan. Well, with that, let's go hear what he has to say. Okay. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all-inclusive, members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium and Imperio. Now to our show. Hey geeks, this is Blue Samurai here. Uh, we are interviewing people here at Dragonflight, and Paul is with me, my co-host. Hey everybody. And once again, we are grabbing game developers and designers who are trying to show their wares and make it into the big league. And with us, we have Jay, or sorry, Jeff Newell with HGN Games. Jeff, thanks for coming to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, you guys. It's great to meet you. I've heard one or two of the podcasts, and I've been following you online, so it's it's nice so to chat. So you are one of our six listeners. Yes. That's awesome. No, I think I made you guys seven. Okay. Seven. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Well, no, it's great to have, there are so many gaming podcasts, but very few that are Northwest, I think, centric, and it's nice to have you guys and, enter that arena. And, uh, you know, just to crow a little bit, I think you'll notice that we have more game developers, I think, on our podcast than, than most of the podcasts. That could uh, be. Uh, but we, we must, yeah. just by percentage. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot in this area, it seems like. You guys would know better than I do, but yeah. um, there's a rich wargaming history yes. of developers and designers in this area. Thomas Prowl, Ralph Shelton, Boyd Sherman, yes. we could go on and on and on, but it sounds but I think also broader gaming there's, a, there's, there's so many a, little groups there's a lot of indie uh, game developers here that we're able to dive into and talking to some of the greats out there when oh, yeah. we went to Gen Con a lot of them grew up here like you know or are here right now Paul uh, Paul Peterson I think was one that I talked to Mike Slaniker and um, a few others so Jeff Tell us about your game. Yeah. What's going on here? So it's kind of a fun story. Um, so in 2003, GMT published a game, uh, GMT Games. They're the guys behind Coin and pretty well-known war game, and they bridged over to Euro incredibly well with their whole Coin series. They produced a game called Medieval. Richard Berg, well-known, you know, legendary designer, produced this game, and it kind of had a cult following. It sold out. Um, but what nobody really realized at the time is GMT, as a, as a war game company, sold this game to war games who all fell in love with it, but the very little secret is, is it's a strategy, it's a Euro game. Okay. And everyone liked it, war gamers would play it. We've been playing it at, at Dragonflight since it came out in 2007, but it went out of print. It was You played the game actually on playing cards, so the playing cards built out this map of medieval Europe, Okay. which was a great concept, but in usability created this little tiny footprint, this little map, and everybody was talking about it. So, what happens, of course, in this day and age, people started to build their own kits, build a bigger map, use wooden pieces, kind of trick the game out because the game was a gem. The components, as a lot of surveys and board game geek ratings will show you, great game. Oh, my God, these components are circa 1965. Yeah. Yeah. So um, our company is called HGN, and that's because it's a basis for Hood Game Night. I'm really blessed that I live in a neighborhood where we have a monthly okay. Hood Game Night. Awesome. There are tons of professionals that also love Euro games, and I kind of led the charge years ago and one night I thought I'm going to spring on these guys this game called Medieval and their impression was kind of the same it was hey here's a cool fun game but they've only been used to gaming for 10 years so they're looking at these components like I'm from Mars you know they're used to seeing beautiful all these things they're like geez if we could trick this out and I said well you guys I know Richard Berg what if I give him a call and see if he's got the rights and would he be willing to pass them on? And uh, and let's kickstart the thing. Of course, we've had some beers and wines at this point uh, at a late Tuesday night, and we woke up the next morning and I pinged everybody, hey, were you guys all serious about that? And they all said yes. I pinged Richard, and long story short, or I guess a long story a little shorter, uh, we acquired the rights, got GMT's blessing. In fact, they're, they're very helpful to us. They're helping us get bids, and just alone by putting us in their update last month, we got 600 people to our website. Wow. So it, wow. it's, and, and we're finding that everywhere. Every company that we've worked with over the years on a friendly basis, they're all rooting for us, which is really neat. So right. long story short, we're tricking the game out, we're cleaning up the rules, and we're going to do our first Kickstarter. Uh, hopefully, in a, look for this late September, mid October. So, did you get um, <laughs> did you get a new artist? Yes, you had to find an artist for that. Great question. That and that was the Tell first step we did. Yeah. yeah, and how cool is that? So, I also 
um, kind of put together a little game uh, con every year called Game On. We do it every February. We've been doing it for about seven years. And one of the attendees there um, is Beth Sobel, who's best oh, yeah, I've heard well known for that. lanterns yeah. and viticulture. Yeah. She's based in Bellingham. And uh, while we talked to a couple, we loved the idea of somebody that we know, kind of keeping it in the family, so to speak. Um, and we were lucky enough to get her. And the first map we just posted uh, a couple days ago, we couldn't be happier. It's gorgeous. Uh, she really invests herself in the period and the time and helping us convey what we wanted to convey with this. And uh, we just think it looks fantastic. Uh, and your listeners can go onto our website, htngames.com, and take looks at the map. And I think they'll, they'll agree that it's pretty spectacular. So, in the develop- so right now in the development of this, you've uh, cleaned up the rules, you said. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming you've already play-tested it. Yeah. You're happy where you're at right now. Yeah. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and, and then, so you've got the art. Yep. So what's the last thing you need to do? What's stopping you from putting this on Kickstarter right now? Great question. We want a little more. Those All those companies that are rooting for us are sharing best practices for Kickstarter board games. Okay. Uh, and in doing so, they continue to reemphasize, even though the idea is you get funding and then pay for the artist, the more real artwork we can show prior will really help our boost. So we're just waiting for some of the cards. It's card-driven, card-activated game. Okay. So some of the artwork... For that, uh, and then just continuing to hone. We're lucky that we've got a game that's been a good game for 15 years. So you've got 15 years of real play testing. Okay. But we're even broadening that group, just because even last night we ran some play testing. Just great observations. Hey, what about this? This will make this a little easier. And so we're going to hone it, but really just a little bit more artwork. Uh, and pre-launch support is so key. We want we want folks that we know when it goes live are going to hit that purchase button and the more that we can get signed up ahead of time on a mailing list oh, is yeah, a good yeah. indicator okay. uh-huh. um, to that and that's something that we thought hey look if we put a good game up there people are going to find it and, and support it well it's not quite that easy and that's so you why you're going these cons that yeah, have that. Exactly. Okay. Right. yeah exactly and showing it off even though it's got a track record um, we've been told you cannot have enough support from on that first day, and, and you know, sadly, we've all seen what we know are great games uh, stumble out of the blocks oh, at yeah. Kickstarter, and then they're, it's really tough to catch up. And so, we don't want to we don't want to run into that. Right. I'm looking at what I think are screenshots from your video for Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. The game looks beautiful. The box is awesome. The game's set up in pieces. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it should be. Uh, we're excited. We uh, Again, another friend of Game On or just our gaming network, um, they happen to make videos because right. that's one of the most Excellent. important part yeah. of the, one of the most expensive. Right. Uh, and this is just, you know, Hood Game Night, we all, I should say, we all chipped in. We've all invested yeah. and formed a company. Yeah. And so the majority of our costs are going to getting the artwork done, getting the video done. Um, so we can have enough to show to where then hopefully it, it hits then we'll do the contracts with the Chinese producers <laughs> not before right. have you planned so, out stretch goals at all? yeah that's, it, it's funny that's a big thing I'm um, like they get to appear on a podcast um, yeah that's a good one if you guys are willing we'll the throw that thousand dollar level that's right we'll come I we'll talk about that podcast right. I like it I like it the uh yeah, that's I'm a Kickstarter junkie. I think I back 200 plans, and I know what gets me excited. It's it's those exclusives or just expanding the game. So the base game is three to five. For Kickstarter, we want uh, we're gonna have a two player version. We're going to have a six-player version because places like this, you've always got enough people. Yeah. We're going to do solitaire. Everybody always wants, hey, I love this game. I would like the ability to play it you know, by myself if, if I can't get any opponents. Okay. And then, of course, we'll trick out a lot of the uh, uh, pieces. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're planning just you know standard wooden cubes, but we'd like to have those by faction 
those types of things okay. that won't add too much, if any, to the cost, but will help to get people even that much more immersed in the experience. Right. Cool. Yeah. So those folks who have not seen this game before, mm-hmm. I, we, what we have forgot to do is talk about the actual game itself. Yeah. We can't, is it a 4X game? If you could it's do a great a question, and, it, and, it's, and it's really unique in this area. So the, the way we describe it is, it's, so you're, it's 1300, so it's medieval Europe in the Far East, okay? okay? Okay. You are playing the role of a leader of a cabal. You're in the back room, and you're utilizing the armies and navies of the of the kings that you're manipulating. Okay. The church, the pope is involved. Excellent. And you're so you're using all the different levers to try to control as much of Europe as possible. So you you at one time will have in your hands possibly England, uh, Spain, Poland. It doesn't mean that you are representing those three countries. You're the marionette that has those countries as the puppets. Okay. Right. And okay. so there's negotiations, there's obviously out-out warfare. Uh, and then what, what the timing mechanism for the game is, is the Mongols come in from the east. Excellent. So okay. the Mongols come in, and when they hit an area, they just destroy the whole thing. Right. So when the seventh Mongol attack has occurred, the game is over. Because right. everybody's you see, dead. Yeah, you see who's left, <laughs> who has the most florins, the right. most money, and that's how you determine the winner. So they're kind of the random part. You do get to, if you have the Mongol card, you get to at least influence where they attack. So okay. you're going to probably have them attack where, the, where, where you're your opponents are, uh, but it's a really neat mechanism that Bert came up with years ago that we still think works wonderfully to, and, and you just don't, and the other great thing is you don't know when the game's going to end, so it can't be one of those things oh, where, okay. you, where you have that last turn, oh, I'm going to spend everything right. and attack right. everybody because so I know like, it's the last so it's turn. It's like an event card. That yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's a pretty neat mechanism. Um, so it's got a lot of screw your neighbor in it, uh, a lot of skullduggery, uh, and, and we're trying to, the streamlining, once you get to know the game, it's an hour and a 90 minutes, uh, and we want to keep it like that. Okay. So there's, there, th- he had a bunch of options that he included in the rules, we're yanking those out, hey, if you want to add them in later, great. Those uh, are your, it's the expansion set that you Yeah, have. but this is about, hey, sit down, and you can have four or five friends, and it's going to be two hours or less, and you're going to have a pretty rich historical experience um, with that. So we, we like it. We still love playing it. That's the bottom line. At the core of this was, we want to see this game reprinted with better components. Let's yeah. do that ourselves. Yeah. And if only six of us end up buying it, well, we've got a new game. Exactly. Now, we want, we want to, hopefully it's a little bit more successful than that. But right. I will tell you, I wish the listeners could be here right now, but I, I don't know, Paul, if you've seen it, but I walked over their table. It's a beautiful game. It. It's a really beautiful game. So, just talk about HEN Games yeah. itself. Is it based, have you put out something in the past? Or no. This, so and, this, and this game is driving yeah. it. Okay. And, and this is, and we by no means, uh, we all have pretty busy day jobs, so by right. no means are we planning on setting up a full-time game company. Right. Legally and you know professionally, we needed to set it up this way. Um, that said, if there's success, we know of a lot of other games that need some love and tender care from the 80s and 90s oh, yeah. that'd be fun to do. Sure, yeah. Or just, if, hey, look, if we can use, just like a lot of people have paid it forward to us, and, I, and specifically Uva at Academy Games, Chain at GMT Games, Lock and Load, Danvers, and they're all being incredibly supportive. Mark Simonich, who did the original artwork, is bending over backwards. If we can then be in a position to where we pay that forward to where somebody comes up and says, hey, I think I've got a great game. Will you guys help me do Kickstarter? Well, that's what we'll do, use this platform then. Once, if, if people start to understand the brand, we'll use it simply to help other games see the light of day that should. Awesome. Uh, Paul, Paul and I have talked to a lot of game developers or designers. We haven't quite figured out what the terminology is. Yeah, designer yeah. developers. But lo- probably 95% of them 
all have like actual jobs that pay the you know the mortgage, put food yep. on the table. Uh, this is not something you're gonna get rich overnight. Over, it's kind of the the love of tabletop gaming, and that this yeah. is something they've always wanted to do. A lot of people I've talked to, they want to develop their own games. So, yeah. You know, how do you get in the time, and are you just doing? You're pushing these at all the cons that you can go. That's to? That's a great. Yeah, no, we're not doing any of the in person. We're going to rely, you know, primarily on the web and our okay. Facebook page and our mailing list, and Twitter, and all those things. And we just also happen to be this group of gamers that I, that hood game nights. Within them, we've got a longtime GMT developer. We've got a professional marketing and branding guy, oh, okay. Pete. Ralph is a, is, is a, for lack of a better word, professional developer. Mm-hmm. We've got guys that work in the high tech industry that understand web and those things. Mm-hmm. So we've okay. been fortunate that we all happen to, in our day jobs, can leverage together that to make this. It's still a steep learning curve. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We're taking advice from everybody, uh, but it's we're lucky that we had a core crew. Like if you go to our website. It does not look like uh, three guys putting up a, uh, not a you know, WordPress. Right. Yeah, a WordPress it's website. It's not like a lame podcast. We do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got personas for our audience. We've got a marketing plan. We've got all those types of things that we would do on our professional world. That, let's, let's apply to this and have some fun. Awesome. awesome. What you're yeah. doing is great. Bringing back things that you love is an yeah. important thing. Yeah. And just once again for the listeners, it's www.hgmgames.com. Correct. You're going to kickstart uh, late September, early October. Knock on wood. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. And go check out their website. This is a brilliant idea. Anything else that people need to know? No, that's great. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. Thanks for supporting Northwest uh, Game Design and Development. Uh, and hopefully we're talking next year about the successful launch and what our next venture is that maybe you guys have introduced us to somebody that has a great design and, awesome. and we keep yeah. this going. So, uh, yeah, I wish you all the success in the world. I'm looking forward to this one and your next game that you come up yes, with. Yes, yeah. excellent. <laughs> Take care, Jeff. Thanks so much, you guys. Real Thank pleasure. You. That's awesome. Once again, it was great talking to, to Jeff about Medieval. He's passionate about this project. Him and his friends love it. So cool that they were just playing games as their local game group and said, you know what? Let's update this game. Well, I wish him well and hopefully you know, actually we could probably get Doug and Kelly to do a game review of this. I bet we could. We should get um, get them on this. Well, yeah, get them definitely. Connected. Yeah. So, Paul, what else have you been doing? Well, you know, I've been watching The Orville. I and watched the first think? episode. Oh, I've, I've been down to two episodes yeah. now. Um, um, I really like it. I love Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. I think it might be improved if it were on a um, cable channel. That way it could be more mm-hmm. like a, a Million Ways to Die in the West. Right. More of the violence and then the swearing and stuff. Well, yeah. No, I could see but that. It is, I, I think it's good. It yeah. is totally... If, like, if, like, I, I don't know if it's trying to be too serious or too funny, though. I don't know. It's 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 this balance that he's doing, and I, I don't know. I'm still going to watch it. I still yeah. kind of enjoy it, but I, I don't know. Something is not clicking yet. Maybe it's because uh, i got to go wait till the third episode or the fourth episode. Like, I am looking at it like there's um, just some regular people mm-hmm. in the future, and they have a starship. And it's like this guy and his buddy from high school that you let's say you and I got a spaceship in the, right. in the 25th century okay it would go much like this I think it would and you, you yeah you are like the helmsman you do drink <laughs> quite a bit I am like the helmsman yes. I try to drink when I can yeah yeah um, and I can hug the donkey <laughs> I'm sure you can <laughs> so what about the there's some other 
um, TV shows coming up. Really excited about that. I think Fox is something called Gifted. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big X-Men fan. In fact, yeah. I collected the New Mutants when it came out. Yeah. Operation Next? And then that changed to something else? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Then I got out of comic books because it was too much of a problem for me. Because uh, it's costing you a lot of money? It's costing me a lot of money oh, and a lot yeah. of space. <laughs> yes. You know what's costing me a lot of money right now? Podcasting? Yes, it is. <laughs> but thank God we're getting all that podcast That's right. Money. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, figures, man. Like, mm. uh, we're getting to D&D. Yeah. And I've decided I'm going to run my own campaign. Yeah. So, since I'm going to run my own campaign, I figured, well, shoot, i got to buy figures. Yeah. So that has been costing me a lot. Yeah, I bet. So I've been kind of spreading out. So, we're, by the way, we are around the table right uh-huh. now. And so instead of getting my cheese sticks. Uh-huh. And the gyro, the tea, the the milk, the beer, <laughs> and the ice cream cone. Yeah, I'm not doing that now. No, I'm just gonna buy a few figures. Just and just the essentials, but maybe ice cream. Yes, yes, and that way I get the figures, which last forever. Yes, and I still save money. Yes, that's true. I think it's a great plan. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm going to do it. So, Paul, do we have anything else? I don't think so. I think we do got to tell our listeners how to get a hold of us. Oh, uh, we can call us. Oh, no, you can't call us. No, this you is can't. a podcast. Right. Um, we're on um, Facebook. Paul's number is. <laughs> we're on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram. And called, we're Geeks of Cascadia. Twitter, we're at Geeks of Cascadia. You can email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. And please give us a review. Click five stars. Yes. And then tell us we suck. That's yeah. completely I hate, okay. I, like, right, I hate Paul's voice. Steve talks too much. Right. But five stars. That's right. Because that's all that really matters is the stars. Yeah, and, and, and go, but just put, where is Joe? If you're going to want to throw some naughty words in there, I would would prefer you don't do that. But if that gets you to click five stars, sure. I'm totally down with that. And if you want us to, to turn on that little that E for explicit, you let us know. Well, <laughs> we probably can't do that. We probably shouldn't do that. No, no, we can't do that. And you can also review us on, at Facebook. Well, Paul, I think that's it for the show. I yeah. think we have a we had a lot of great content, and we got more content to go. Oh, yes, we do. So, with that, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. See the MFers in there. Um, I think it will be a much better show because it's more his style. It is. That's true. Do you like a, a Million Ways to Die in the West? Oh yeah, yeah, that show. It's like yeah. If, so, it, if it was that, but so in if space. You, if you added uh, swearing, sex, and violence to Orville, it would be a perfect show. Bing. <laughs> All right, that's good, and that's a good test. <laughs> okay.